All right, so last week, if you were here uh, at any of our services, we spoke about baptism, how we make a vow as a congregation to our children to set an example of Christ-like life and to surround them with steadfast love, to establish them in the faith and to strengthen them in the way that leads to life eternal. Our goal is to see their hearts cultivated into good soil, that the Word of God can penetrate and put down deep roots where it can grow without hindrance and eventually bear fruit, good fruit, for the kingdom of God. And these aren't just words we say. Um, They're supposed to be the orientation of our heart. It's part of following Jesus But baptism isn't the only time in the life of the church that we make these kind of commitments. We also make them, if you remember, if you were here last year on Mother's Day, we had 20 kids, 20 students come up here and be confirmed as members of the church. Uh, Some of them were your kids. Some of them are sitting here in the service with us. So at confirmation, we make a commitment. But so do people who are joining the church make a commitment, um, a vow, that's called the membership vow. And, and when they make their commitment, when our students are confirmed, we as the church, as the congregation, we have an opportunity to reaffirm our membership vow as well. And I want to look at those words today. Um, it's a baptism vow last week, membership vow this week. Um, but first I want to look at what Jesus is saying in the passage that Deb just read. So this passage is part of Luke's account of what we know from Matthew's gospel as the Sermon on, on the Mount. And so even though the words on the screen weren't read, those were, that was Jesus speaking. Those were his words that he was saying. And uh, like last week, and like we saw there, Jesus is using examples from people's normal lives, agriculture, house building. These were things people knew. And Jesus was a master at this. He would take something that was so familiar and teach a spiritual lesson, a spiritual truth to the people through these commonplace everyday things. He, he did it all the time. So Jesus is talking about trees and their fruit and how you really can't take those things apart. You can't get good fruit from a, good, from a bad tree. You can't get bad fruit from a good tree. Um, Jesus said, you know a tree by its fruit. You know, if you you go to an apple tree that doesn't have apples on it, you don't necessarily know that it's an apple tree. But you also don't go to a lemon tree hoping to get an apple, and you don't go to a pear tree looking for oranges. You know a tree by its fruit. And what a tree is in its essence can't be separated from the fruit that it produces. If you go to a Uh, an orange tree that's not giving you oranges, it's not a real good orange tree, is it? Because you know a tree by its fruit, and it can't be separated from what it produces. But at the same time, the fruit isn't the same as the tree. You've got the fruit, you've got the tree. They're, They're integrally connected, but they're also in some way separate. And the same is true of a person. The fruit you see in a person's life can't be separated from what's in their heart. You know a person's heart by the fruit their life produces. Jesus says a good person 
brings good things out of their heart. Then Jesus moves on to these, this picture of, of the two houses, one built on a firm foundation, one built without a foundation. And the one, the, they took time to dig down and get to the rock where, where they could build a house that would stand. Joel Lale builds some houses. You ever build a house without a foundation, Joel? Why not? Yeah, it's not going to last. You build a house without a foundation, it's going to crumble. It's not going to last. The things are going to shift. The house is going to fall apart. And Jesus says the same thing is true in our lives. When we build our lives on his word and putting that into practice, it's like building our house on a foundation. When the storms come, it's going to last. If we don't build on that foundation, when the storms come, they get destroyed completely. The difference is what you do with the words of Jesus, whether you put them into practice or not. James, who's Jesus' brother, when he was writing his epistle, he, he wrote in chapter 1, don't just hear the word, but be doers of the word. There's an active part to it. And that's the fruit in our lives. That's the evidence of the transformation that Jesus is working in our hearts. For Jesus, the heart is essential. In Proverbs 4, it says, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Wow. How often do we stop and think about the things we're doing and say, hmm, I wonder what this says about my heart. If you're like me, not too often. Uh, Jesus cares about our behavior. This, the, the second image of the house building asks if we're putting it into practice, but he cares more about what our behavior reveals about what's going on in our hearts. And I think sometimes this is where our discipleship can get off track. Sometimes we can get so focused on doing the right things and not doing the wrong things, we miss the heart. We miss the point, the motivation, the source of all we do. It won't work ever to try to transform ourselves from the outside in, starting with our behavior. You can never try hard enough to get your behavior in line with what you think God wants you to do for that to change your heart. God wants to transform us from the heart out so that the heart within us becomes good and produces good things. In Ezekiel, the prophet, God's speaking through the prophet to the people of Israel, and he says, and I think it's true for us today, he says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He wants to take away that hard fixed heart of stone that can't be changed. He wants to put a heart of flesh within us that can grow and live and produce good fruit. So about now you might be saying, okay, what's this got to do with that membership vow thing you were talking about? Does anyone know our membership vow? Any of our kids who are in confirmation class in here who can remember it? I'm not going to put you on the spot, don't worry. Um, but when we do our membership stuff, 
we ask a question of those who are coming to join the church. And that question is this. As members of this congregation, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? That's the commitment we ask people to make. So how does this membership vow that seems to be focused on doing things, right? Those are doing things. We pray for the church. We are present at the church. We give to the church. We serve through the church. Um, How do those things relate to this idea that Jesus is after heart transformation? I think the answer is that each of these activities listed prayers, presence, gifts, service, witness. I'm going to say it enough times that by the end of it, you'll be able to say all five of those too. Um, Prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. They represent key areas in our heart that we need to submit to Jesus so he can transform them and sanctify them, make them holy, so that he can be the Lord of all of our heart. There's a famous saying that If Jesus isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So I want to look briefly at each of these categories and how it relates to our heart. And let me just start by saying this is going to scratch the surface. Each of these five things could be its own sermon or sermon series. So you're not getting everything that's out there on prayer in the next couple minutes. Um, but, But let's look at at these things. So think for a minute, what are the things you pray about? And don't just think, you can actually shout out a few. What are some things we pray about? Family, Family. health, Health. healing, Healing. peace, Peace. Uh, jobs, Jobs. thanks. Being in God's will. Important things. I hope my child or my family member will be okay. I dream of what it could look like if God would act in this situation. I hope for healing. I hope I get that job. You pray about the things that are important to you, the things that are close to your heart, the things you hope and dream for. Those are the things we spend our time praying about. And I think the issue in our hearts is just that, our hopes and dreams. And we need to trust Jesus with those hopes and dreams and give them to him. Our prayers and our presence, if something is important enough, we're going to make time to be there. We're going to take time to be present. And I'm not just talking present like a warm body present. You know, how many times have you showed up somewhere and you, know, you, you walk into the room and everywhere you look, someone's on their phone and staring at their screen? Happened to anybody else or is that just me? Maybe I'm the only one. There's a difference between being present and being present. You can be physically present without being um, 
mentally or emotionally engaged and present. So what we will make a way to be present for and give our attention to shows our priorities. And our presence is more than that just showing up. It's good to be present in worship. It's good to be present at Bible study. But really, when you come, God wants you to be present. He wants you to be focused. He wants your attention and your priorities. Being present is more than just showing up, but it starts, at least, with showing up. So we need to allow Jesus to set our priorities and our attention. The next thing is our gifts. Prayers, our presence, our gifts. And this is a key one. I've found people don't really like to talk about money all that much. True? Who, who signs up to come to church on the Sunday you know the pastor's preaching on giving and finances? Probably not too many of you. There's a lot of people out there who don't like the idea of someone else having a say in their finances, even if that someone else is God. And you can learn a lot about a person by looking at their bank account or their credit card statement, what we're willing to give to, what we're willing to spend money on, reveals a lot about our hearts, reveals a lot about the things that are important to us, reveals a lot about whether God has first and final say in our lives. There's a story about the Roman emperor Constantine, and he was you know, back in the 300s, and he became a Christian, and when he was baptized, they put him in the water, but he kept his sword arm up out of the water. He said, God, you can have all of me except for my sword. There was a line for Constantine for how much he was willing to submit himself to God. He said, he drew a line, he said, God, you can come this far, but no further. And for some people, that's finances. We, we don't want to give up control of our money. We don't want someone telling us how to spend our money. And listen, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you how much you should give or what you should give to. That's between you and God. However, that's between you and God. And we need to... We need to give our finances and our security to Jesus and trust that He can provide. So our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service. Anytime we're serving, we're making choices. Tomorrow, we've got 75 people who, thankfully, it didn't snow a foot and a half. Tomorrow, 75 people are going to be here packing meals with Rise Against Hunger. 25,000 meals packed up. And those people, they're all making a choice. They've got a day off of work. They've got kids who have a day off from school. And they're making a choice. This is how we're going to give our time. This is what we're going to do with our time. And listen, time is our most limited resources. I know some of us feel like maybe it's our, our bank account. But time is our most limited resource. There is no way to make more of it. You can't just spin a dial and go back in time. You can't spin a time, spin a dial and create more time. 
You've got just as many hours in your week as I have in mine. The question is, how are we going to choose to spend them? We need to yield our schedules and our talents to Jesus and let Him be the one who tells us how to use them. Let Him be the one who sets the order and the the priorities in our time. Our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service. Anyone remember the last one? Our witness. All these areas we've talked about so far are important. But I feel like this is kind of where the rubber hits the road. It's not so hard to to come on Sunday morning, be surrounded by Christians and say, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus and I'm following him and it's all good. It's easy to do that in a church surrounded by people who believe the same thing you do. It's another thing to live that out Monday through Saturday. But we're called to be witnesses for Christ. Paul told the Corinthians, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. Or it makes me think about John the Baptist when he said, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. It's the same for us. When people look at me, yes, they're going to see Scott, because that's who God made me to be. But my hope is that when people look at me, they see Christ in me. And that means surrendering our identity and the image we, we wish to project to other people that we've got it all together, or, or we, can, we can get stuff done, or we can make it on our own. We need to surrender those images and identities we have of ourselves so that people can see Christ in us, so that He can increase and we can decrease. This is what we're called to in discipleship. I know we're talking about our membership vow, but, but this is discipleship. This is what it means to, to follow Jesus And this is what we commit to when we choose to identify as members of Trinity. We commit to participating in the ministries of the church through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. But even more than doing these things, it means submitting our whole heart and life to the lordship of Jesus. Our hopes and dreams, our priorities and attention, our finances and security, our time and our talents, our image and our identity. And listen, this isn't about which pastor is up here on the platform. You're not making a commitment to Pastor Scott or to Pastor Ron. You're making a commitment to Jesus, and you're making a commitment to the church, your brothers and sisters who are sitting all around you. The process of discipleship is about learning to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. It's not just another thing in life. It's not just another club or another activity or hobby. It's everything. It is your life. Again, that verse from Proverbs, guard your heart for everything you do flows out of it. Or as Paul told the Romans, once you were slaves to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey the teaching you have been given. Jesus wants your whole heart. Nothing held back. No sword arm out of the water. 
And you know what? You can trust him with it. He wants your heart because he wants to transform it. And he wants to make it good soil that can produce good fruit. Would you pray with me as the band comes to play? God, we're so grateful that you come to us. No matter where we are, you meet us there. And you love us. You pursue us in the midst of that. But God, you also love us enough that you don't want to leave us there. You've, you've called us deeper. You have better things in store for us. You have hopes and dreams of, of what you want to do in and through our lives. And so, God, we pray that you would come and help us, that you would help us give you our hearts completely. God, help us not to hold anything back. We can never bring about the kind of transformation in our lives that we need. So we ask that you would come and do it. Do a work in us that we couldn't do on our own. Amen.